0: Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork. Today, we're going to be discussing financial health, and I'm so excited to have a special guest with me today, Galen Jones. Galen is a certified public accountant. He studied accounting and business administration at Southern Utah University, where he earned both his bachelor's and master's degrees. He is currently the CFO controller for the Granite Education Foundation. He is also the author of two books, Fight the Good Fight and Money to the Power of Ten. And it's his second book that we'll be talking about today. Galen, welcome. I am so grateful to have you with me today.
1: Hi, Linda. It's good to be here with you today. Uh, thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Will you please explain the significance of your title, Money to the Power of Ten?
1: Yes. Uh... It's a math term of exponential growth. So the 10 is the power. I have thought about this a lot. And there are 10 steps. So if you acquire one cent and then you times that by 10 by 10 by 10 by 10 like that, you go all the way up to $10 million. Ooh, and that would be nice. this book is just this is just trying to help all of us to have ideas of what we can do to, you know, increase our wealth, increase money and value over time. So, 1 cent all the way to 10 million dollars, power of 10 and it can really grow and uh, become, you know, a large amount increase over time and just slow and steady. So it's it's a great principle.
0: So the idea then is taking your money and helping it to increase. And it would be awesome if it could increase to the power of 10, but even if you could increase it just a couple steps, that would be right. that would be wonderful.
1: Yeah, that's uh, a growth, it's an increase, mm-hmm. you're on the path, you're doing well. So any little bit of success is great. You know, we're, we're progressing and improving as we go.
0: Fantastic. I read your book, and it includes a lot of money-saving tips and how to get the most out of your dollar. In some ways, it reminded me of another book that I read years ago called The Tightwad Gazette, Promoting Thrift as a Viable Alternate Lifestyle by Amy Decision. And it seems that thrift... Which means the quality of using money and other resources carefully and not wastefully is a very important component to financial health and is very important to you personally.
1: Yes, money is a tool and we want to put it to good use to do the greatest amount of good for us and our family and for others that it can. So we want to be wise in how we earn it, how we spend it, how we use it, take care of our responsibilities and necessities. And also to enjoy life.
0: Oh, I like the idea that life is to be enjoyed. I think that is really important when we're talking about money. Because a lot of times, anytime you talk about budget, you think, oh, scrimping and saving and being miserable. So I love the idea that you find more joy in your life. In contrast to many get-rich-quick schemes that are out there, you promote a get-rich-slow plan. So in the race between the tortoise and the hare, you're putting your money, literally, on the tortoise
1: definitely slow and steady. That's how I like to do things. And uh, some years ago, I actually ran the numbers. You know, you watch the stock market and it goes up a little, maybe it goes up a lot and then it kind of crashes and goes down and there's gains and losses and ups and downs. And people live day to day watching that every day and they stress out or they're really excited if it goes up. Uh, But if you can just get, you know, say five to six to eight percent interest Growing on your money and just that steady growth, that compounding, that interest growing and building on each other without losing or taking big hits on the downside, uh, you'll win out in the end all day. So just slow and steady, progress, grow, let it build and have positive increases over time. Just be consistent at it, and you feel good. You feel like, hey, I'm just building and growing steady. I'm being consistent and being steady.
0: That is awesome. I'd like to talk about something you mentioned in your book called the five-finger system to financial freedom.
1: Yes, uh, the five-finger system to financial freedom. Try to make it easy to where you can count them on one hand, you know, one, two, three, four, five. The first one being to give, to pay tithing.
0: And it may seem counterintuitive to many people that giving to charity is the first step to financial freedom and independence, But interestingly, you're not the only author who has suggested that this really is the first step. In the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Richard Kiyosaki, he says the same thing. And he says that his mentor, who he calls his rich dad, believed in giving to churches and charities. He took 10% of his gross income and tithed it. He often said, God does not need to receive, but humans need to give. Rich Dad was certain that he owed much of his good financial fortune to tithing, and he would say, God is my partner, and if you don't pay your partner, your partner stops working, and then you have to work ten times harder. Rich Dad believed in the law of reciprocity, said in a scientific way, this can be stated as for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction, or to put it in religious terms, the Bible says give and it shall be given unto you. Kayosaki insists that if you want to be rich, you must get in the practice of giving money regularly. And he explains that there are natural laws of why this works. And then there's also a matter of mindset. When we're in the mindset that giving is something that takes away from you, then that leads to not wanting to give anything and you become miserly and miserable. But if we're in the mindset that giving is something that gives back to you, then that leads to happiness and financial success.
1: Yes. Uh, so we don't want to be selfish. We want to be charitable and giving. And I believe in what we give, what we send out returns back again to us. It's the it's the boomerang effect. And so first we give and then we will receive. It does come back to us. You you see those examples all around us. And so so everything that we receive comes from up above. You know, we need all the help that we can get. We're humans here on earth and we need a higher power to help us. And, you know, why wouldn't we want the he- heavens to be open to us to receive the help that we need from, you know, the being up above. And it does really work out. It's not a it's not a matter of money. It's more of a faith principle. And we actually do receive more than we started with in the first place.
0: That's awesome. OK, the next step in your five Finger system to financial freedom is to avoid debt and you included some statistics in your book that I found interesting and disturbing. The average household debt is over 135,000 and over 67 million households in the United States carry credit card debt with an average balance of $6,849 and carry the cost of $1,162 per year in interest and fees. So I, I just want to stop there for a minute. That's almost $100 each month in interest and fees. And that doesn't include repaying the principal. That's just the interest and the fees. So if these statistics are accurate, then the average person is paying $100 a month and getting nothing in return. It's just $100 It goes poof because they don't understand the concept of interest. There's a famous quote by Albert Einstein. He was asked the question, what is the most powerful force in the universe? And he said, interest. Compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it, earns it. He who doesn't, pays
1: it. Exactly. Compound interest will do amazing things for us over time as we save and invest. It can be a great tool for us, a great help. And that's where we want to be is we want to have our money earning and increasing and growing and working for us. Uh, If we're in debt, then we have a lot of bills. We have a lot of things to pay and it stresses us out. You know, a little debt might be okay for like a home or an education or things that are of value that will you know give value to us over time in our lives. But just to have unnecessary debt where we're constantly paying bills and paying money and it's not coming to us but it's going to someone else uh, that debt can crush us over time it takes away from our happiness so to get out of debt or to pay our debt off quickly you know the highest balance with the highest interest rate pay it off get out of debt and be financially free that's what we want to do
0: and you mentioned just now about how it affects our happiness and how it affects our stress levels and i was thinking about that as well Because debt can be a huge strain on marriage relationships. Some statistics say that crushing debt and fights about money are the number one cause of divorce. And other sources say that infidelity is number one and money is number two. But either way, debt wreaks havoc on relationships. So getting out of debt and staying out of debt is not only about money. It's also about relationships and being happy.
1: Yes, definitely. I heard a statistic when I was younger that up to 89% of all divorces are caused by money problems, and it's a huge issue. We definitely want to manage our money. It'll give us so much freedom and happiness by doing that.
0: And that makes such a huge difference. Okay, let's move on to the third step in the five-finger system to financial freedom. Um, You talked about using a budget. A budget is a plan for how we're going to spend our money, not just a record of where it went, Having a financial plan helps you see where you might be wasting money and empowers you to get more of what you really want. And in your book, you you, uh, shared an object lesson about how a budget is kind of like filling a container with rocks. Would you share that?
1: Yes. So if you first fill the container with sand or small rocks, then you find that in the end, you don't have enough room for the big rocks to fit those big rocks in. They start Overflowing or there's just not even enough room to start putting them in But if it you know when it gets to the end of the month and there's not enough money to buy all the things that we seem to Need you know, and then let alone the things that we want So we need to use this analogy To work in our lives if you put the big rocks or large expenses in first You know like rent or your house payment your car payment the things that we need that are important You put those big expenses in first, then you'll find that you can still fit in the small rocks. Those small expenses will actually still fit in, and we can still use the money for good, you know, small expenses for good things here and there and to enjoy life.
0: I like the idea that a budget is not about being a punishment, but it's a way to get more of what you want without falling into that trap of debt. I believe that with our finances, we can have anything we want but we can't have everything we want and there's a big difference between those two statements budgeting is about choosing what you want most and about making sure that the needs are met first and being able to distinguish the difference between needs and wants is an important skill i have some friends who had an adult son who didn't move out until he was in his 40s He couldn't afford basic living necessities like rent, utility, car insurance, groceries, and things like that because he was addicted to his luxuries. He'd regularly spend $300 on an excellent sushi meal, and he was making payments on his new Lexus, so obviously there wasn't enough money for boring things like rent and other necessities. And his parents finally had to serve legal papers of an eviction notice to get the authorities involved, um the idea that needs come first and then wants is not obvious to everyone but the sooner we can figure that out the better off we are in the long run
1: yes it's easier to make mistakes when we're young because they usually are smaller and we have time to learn from them to fix them and you know take care of them as we get older as we gain you know more knowledge and experience but the stakes get higher the older we get you know the older we become and as we make mistakes we may not be able to recover from those mistakes later in life so you know this is a crazy example that you mentioned but it's definitely you know better to learn when we're younger and that's what we want to do i think of in our family we started our kids out young trying to teach them you know how to manage your money budgeting techniques and we had these envelopes where they could put money in, so they would do you know work chores around the house, whatever, and we would pay them money, pay them like an allowance, and then they could put this money divided up into these envelopes, with like savings, mission, um, sports, or fun, you know, just three or four different categories, and I can still think of my little guy when he was really small, really young. He loved soccer. And he was holding on to his five dollar bill, and he did not want to spend that five dollar bill on soccer. He didn't want to give it up because he had learned the value of money of working, earning money, and putting it aside in different kind of buckets and but he eventually you know he's a kid, eventually he said, "You know, I really like soccer so much, I'm willing to pay the five dollars for soccer to be able to play but but our kids they had to you know pay for soccer or pay for an iPod or Whatever. And we worked with them and helped them and hopefully we taught them the principles of, you know, these money management principles, how to how to manage your finances and take control of your life.
0: And it sounds like you started at a very early age so that they learned those principles and it became a part of them. That's that's beautiful. That certainly would have helped this young man who's not so young anymore. Um that's not taught in every home. So let's move on to the fourth step in the five finger system. And it is to save for a rainy day. Finance guru, Dave Ramsey, totally agrees with this step, but he actually puts it first instead of fourth in his program. He has a seven steps baby program. And he says the first step is to have a goal to save a thousand dollars as fast as you can. This is an emergency fund to cover those unexpected life events that you can't plan for. So it doesn't put you into debt while you're trying to work your way out of debt. And in your book, you talk about short-term savings and long-term savings. So the Dave Ramsey thousand savings goal would be like a short-term goal. And you also talk about creating long-term savings. And you recommend putting away a little bit of money each month and setting 10% as a goal. You also mentioned timing and how important it is to get time on your side. And I like the example that time is our best investment. And the illustration that assuming we retire at age 65 and assuming we get an 8% return compounded monthly, then every dollar invested at age 25 will increase in value 23.3 times. Every dollar invested at age 35 will increase in value 9.9 times. Every dollar invested at age 45 will increase in value 3.9 times. And every dollar invested at age 55 will increase in value only 1.2 times. So the difference is immense when we have more time for the money to increase in value. A lot of people don't start thinking about retirement until they're 50 or older. But the money invested doesn't increase a lot because it doesn't have time to really work for us.
1: Yes, if you start saving at age 25 your money will increase 23 times by the age of 65 when you retire. But if you wait and then you only start saving, you know, like 10 years before retirement, say from 55 to 65, then your money will only increase one time. It's just crazy how if you start when you're young versus when you're older, your money can grow 23 times larger over your life that's huge so that time value of money with the compound interest building growing you know just gaining larger and larger bigger and bigger over time compound interest and time those two principles are just huge they're they're game changers so if you start when you're young the wealthier you'll become
0: that is a really good advice Um, Dr. Shannon Brooks, he is the president of Monticello College, and he has an interesting approach to his definition of savings. In his book, American, he says that money should be measured in units of time and not money. The question he asks is how many months could you survive on your current savings? And this takes into account your amount of savings in proportion to your monthly expenses. To increase our wealth, we can either increase our savings or decrease our expenses, or of course, we can do both.
1: Yes, that's a good way of thinking about it. It would be great to do both, you know, right? To increase our savings and decrease our expenses. We often think of money, but, you know, this approach of thinking of time that I need to have enough money for one month, or three months, or six months, or a year, Uh, but for sure to. Focus on savings and uh, decreasing our expenses. Do both. That would be great. All
0: right. That's a really good idea. Okay. So the fifth and final step in your five-finger system is to teach your family. And it sounds like you've done a really good job. Do you want to explain a little bit about why teaching your family is the fifth step?
1: Yes, because we're all in this together with our family. You know, at home, money in, money out, <laughs> the, the flow of, of money. And so we can teach our children. They can help us as parents. We can help them. We're all better off, you know, and then all of us go out into society. We're part of a community, you know, town, city, a state, a nation. And so it's great to learn together, to work together. You know, we pay for things like a home, a car, utilities, food, clothes, and we have fun together. And so it's important to, you know, if we do things together, money management should also be part of that you know the principles of money management work together and you know work on our finances uh, have the same goals and the same plans and it brings more peace to our home peace to our lives
0: i like that i think having peace in our home is is a big deal and if money issues are huge in divorce issues i imagine it's huge in family stress and in, and in everything so um there are two more concepts from the book that i'd like to make sure we cover One is the idea of using automation as a tool to help reach your financial goals and the other is the idea of investing in yourself through lifelong learning. So let's briefly discuss some ways to use automation to help us save. Um, My husband and I use some automation strategies to help us save. My husband's employer has options where we can have a percentage of his paycheck automatically transferred into his retirement account and that's a, a pretty common thing. And it's really nice that we don't have to think about it. It just happens regularly as we receive a paycheck.
1: Yes, automation is a key to successful finances. It helps you to save, to invest. And you don't really have to think too much about it. If you earn money in a, in a paycheck, if you can take some of that money and start putting it into you know, savings or a bucket here, a bucket there... Then it's just done automatically for you and you don't see it. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to think about it. And and then it's, that money is building. It's earning. It's building. It's saving. And it's just less stress and less things that you have to do and worry about. But you're still saving and uh, planning for your future.
0: So we can be saving without having to think about money all the time. Yeah. And I like your comment about putting it in different buckets. We even use um, our our banking account to help put it in some separate buckets, so to speak, for us. So when the check comes, it automatically a percentage goes into savings, some goes into an amount that we've calculated we need in order to take care of our expenses, and then if there's anything left over, then it goes into a separate account. We actually had two, one for my husband, one for myself, that's kind of our, our fun money. And so we know if we have some money to spend or if we don't. Um, you are very careful and you like to think about where the money's going. And, and my husband is very much not that way. He didn't want to add up anything, but this way it's, it's automatic. And he knows, yes, I can buy this, I can do what I want, or no, I need to wait a little bit longer. And that's, we found that to be super helpful.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a great way to be. There's not always, you know, just one way to do things. So we're all a little different. We have maybe different ways of doing it or different personalities, but what works for you, that's great. Um, some people are more you know, precise and looking at everything. Others are not as much, but still the concept is there that if we automate our finances, we save, and it just comes out, we don't have to worry about it, but we're still getting to the same goal, right? We're still building and right. saving.
0: The, so the principles are the same, but the application can vary according to what people's needs and their personalities, and yeah. I really appreciate that because we're not all accountants that's not our our love and our focus, but there's still a way to make it work for for different personalities. And I I really appreciate that. So uh, the final topic for this discussion is investing in yourself through lifelong learning. And again, in the book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, the author teaches that the single most powerful asset we have is our mind. And he talks about the importance of giving yourself the gift of financial education. And in your book, you offer several suggestions for sources of continued learning, like reading, experimenting, taking classes, listening to podcasts and talking to experts in the field.
1: Yes, you know, you are important, so you should work on yourself. You know, we, we all need time, a little bit of time each day to improve ourselves, to increase our capacity, to learn, learn a new skill, develop ourselves, uh, maximize our potential. So if we can read, you know read a book or we can experiment on something, take some classes, learn a skill, that's how we invest in ourselves. That's how we improve ourselves. And the skills that we have, we can turn them into, you know, good jobs or show our bosses our productivity or start a business or whatever, you know, we can put those skills to good use and have that increase for us, you know, increase in our earnings, increase in time or capacity and do great and wonderful things with it it's just a it's a process right you know step by step little by little we work at it we do a little more we progress and that's what it's all about is that you know you are important you are special and you know we should work on ourselves a little each day and just improve ourselves and and we also feel good about that it gives us satisfaction we feel good we feel happy like we're doing something we're learning we're progressing so that's what this book's all about, you know, Money, the Power of Ten. Just trying to help you with some ideas, things in your life that you can build up your finances to, you know, manage your finances, take control of your life, and put money to good use for you.
0: I appreciate that. And I love your comments about how investing in yourself is not only about money, it's about self worth, and it's about that you matter. Because that's something that's very important to me personally is helping people to understand their personal worth. And I think working on that is, is very valuable. So Galen, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. In closing, I'd like to share a quote from Dave Ramsey. He said, you must gain control over your money or the lack of it will forever control you. Today, I invite you to do one thing to gain control over your money. See you next time on Linda's Corner.